seen? Hello and welcome to the Hitbox, River Radio's Tuesday night gaming show. My name's Tom and I'm joined by my two co-hosts. Firstly, someone who's never had to click heads with a mouse before, that's Gabriel. Hello. And joining me too is Billy, who's probably just purchased a new Skyrim for his smart fridge. How are you doing, Billy, mate? I'm good, thanks, Tom. Brilliant. Okay, so here's what to expect from us over the next hour on the Hitbox. We begin every show with us three letting each other know what our game of the week is. After that, we will be having a discussion on what makes a good game to film crossover. And as always, we finish off the show with a weekly news roundup in which Gabriel and Billy tell me what's been going on in the past week in the world of gaming. You've leveled up. So, firstly, boys, game of the week time, as always. Who wants to go first? I'm happy to jump in. Brilliant. Go for it, Gabriel. So, my game of the week is a game we've talked about on the show before as part of our small games that blew up discussion. And this is Among Us. I didn't actually play the game when it initially blew up in the lockdown, but the other day, my work colleagues and I all jumped on after work, and it was so much fun. For those that aren't familiar with the game, I'll just briefly describe it. A group of between four and ten players spawn into a lobby. Just before the game starts, everyone is assigned to either the imposters team or the crewmates team. Depending on the player's experience and desires, you can have up to three imposters, but this just depends on how difficult you want the game to be. And I'll elaborate on this as I go. In a nutshell, the imposter's job is to discreetly sabotage and eventually kill all of the crew members without being found out. The crewmate's job is to complete their tasks without being killed and also to find and eject the imposters from the ship. So as you can tell, we've kind of got a detective or who did it scenario going on here, if that makes sense. Kind of similar to Cluedo, but more modern and fun. For those that don't know as well, you can play this online or mobile. Most people, I think, play it on mobile. It's a small app you can download and jump on with your mates. An important thing to note is that people are silent throughout the duration of the game until a meeting is called. The meetings are only called when someone is called, uh, is killed, sorry, or if someone presses the team meeting button. What that means is, is if you directly see someone doing something, you can't just be like, okay, it was him kind of thing. It's, you've got to actually strategically deliberate over why and how and convince everyone that what you're saying carries weight, because obviously it's a big decision. You've got to kick someone off and you don't want to, you don't want to eject someone who's actually a crewmate kind of thing. The aim is to obviously eject the imposters. I only jumped on for a couple of games, but I have to say, I think this game is a triumph if you're looking for a simple, casual game to jump on to with your mates. It's really good. I'm so surprised you haven't played it before. Like, you're, you're telling me about a game that used to be huge during lockdown, and you're, you're telling me that you've only just started playing Among Us. It's 
bit bizarre why I didn't play it in lockdown as well, because so many people were coming up to me saying, you've got to get this game, you've got to try this game. And for some reason, I just never... I think mainly because it's a mobile game and sort of instigating a party to play it with can be a bit of a hassle, especially when a lot of gamers they're invested in. Well, certainly speaking from on my behalf, I'm more invested in my big console game, yeah, you know, whatever that be. So I think that kind of took me away from it a little bit. But having said that, I do think despite only playing it recently, it still feels like a game that, is relevant and is really fun. I mean, it, it, for those that haven't played it, it really is the kind of game you can quickly jump on and have a go at without getting too invested in it kind of thing. I was celebrating my uh, friend who's overseas, what, his birthday, and uh, we we decided to jump on Among Us and we hadn't done in so long because we used to play as a as a group on Discord during during lockdown even with my mates at home and my mates that I've um, made online and abroad. Uh, and it, it just, it's just one of those games you, you can play whenever, it, as long as you've got a big group and you're invested in it, it's just so much fun. It's so good. And obviously it relies on no party poopers ruining it by communicating amongst themselves. Which too, is many, a... too many people that I've played with have done that. They get killed and like, oh, what did you do that? And like, well, you've completely just destroyed the point of the game, but we move. Honestly, it's one of those games that it's very easy to ruin in that sense. But you, as long as people play by the rules, it's it's okay. In some ways, I got to be honest because I I played back in like 2016. I got into a similar game called Town of Salem, uh, which used to be free to play, but it, it's not anymore. It went into being paid because lots of bots and stuff. And it's very interesting to see how much this one took off when Town of Salem which is a more mafia style game. It's got like roles and stuff. Didn't. And I've got to say, I think part of it is because it is so simple to play among us. It's just, it's very intuitive. It, you, there's nothing that's particularly difficult to learn in the game itself. I, I, I definitely agree. And I, um, I saw some of my friends playing Town of Salem. I never played it myself, but you can tell that the similarities between the two games are there. Like what you said about among us, it being so easy to pick up is so true because my, my friends who've probably never played a video game in their life or who've only played maybe the most basic of basic of phone games uh, picked up Among Us and played it with us over lockdown. And yeah, even they even they got the hang of it after a while and it was brilliant. It's just people you never think would be playing Among Us or be playing games with you. They came on onto Zoom and, and started playing. It was great. It's not many games can do that, in my opinion. And Among Us is definitely one of those few exceptions that have pulled out the non-gamers and brought them into the gaming space too exactly and that's exactly the environment i got introduced to it in you know all of my work colleagues just saying oh we're playing among us you know you fancy hopping on i had no clue how to play it no whatever all i had to do is watch a four minute video on youtube and all of a sudden bish, bash, bosh. pretty much an yeah. expert that's all you, all you yeah, need I mean, to know like it's that simple i mean there's obviously there's tactics behind it by you know not ejecting people too too early or uh, you know there's various sort of gameplay skills but other than that it's pretty pretty simple i mean at least the basic essence of the game is yeah it, it, yeah it's, it's what i like to call like a, a high skill low like pickup game so it, it's something that's very very easy to pick up but there can be like some really highly skilled really difficult to learn play in there as well so it's sort of good for players of all skill levels exactly exactly 
So I'm just going to go ahead and jump straight into the rating to go be for fair, it. because yeah. I feel like we pretty much covered the base of the game. I will say there's an amazing video on YouTube. If you just type in how to play among us, if anyone wants like a really great in-depth four minute rundown of how to play it, please watch it. It's great. But yeah, if I were to rate it exclusively based on what this game is and compared it to other similar games, I would say it has to be really high up there. I think it's fair to say. I would probably give it a nine out of 10 based on that breakdown of the scoring. However, if you take into account the whole gaming landscape, i.e. if you're comparing this to the likes of your Call of Duties, your FIFAs, your other games from all kinds of types and sizes, etc., I'd probably lower this on account of it being quite simplistic and there isn't really much to it. And I'd give it a seven out of 10. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, it's definitely one of those games that was for me during lockdown, especially when it, when you have, you, you know, restricted access to meeting people face to face and you want something fun to do. The, the purpose it serves then is makes it a 10 out of 10, but now thinking about it, you, you know, it's just not the same as it was back then in my opinion obviously you've only just got into it and that's brilliant but I, I i'd agree probably a seven out of ten ish for the game yeah i mean i i can't really raise it i didn't put enough time into it i don't think but i don't i, I don't disagree with tom like I, I get where you're coming from where you say it's very much it was very much a game for the time where we were all locked inside yeah because uh, it's a social game and there aren't enough of those in my opinion there aren't enough games where you can talk and interact with people like that I think there needs to be more games like that made. They, they, people should see Among Us and, and really produce something that is similar, as in it's like a almost like you've got to socially construct your way to winning this the game. I think that's a, a niche in a market that can really be explored and hopefully someone pulls it off just like Among Us did. Completely agree, yeah. All right, wicked. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and do mine second, if that's all right, Billy. Uh, and that's going to be Escape from Tarkov. Now, this is a game I've been addicted to for the past week, all thanks to my friends getting me into it. Uh, the best way to explain it is that it's a first-person shooter, okay? And it's set in a fictional Eastern European setting. I, I'm most likely like a dystopian Russia because I'm pretty sure the the game designers are from Russia. Uh, and, and in this fictional place, there's a war between two private military groups, okay? Uh, one being American and one being Russian, I believe. Uh, and as a job for the player, they join a match known as a raid, which puts them into a, a map full of loot that they can go around and essentially take and, and steal. But also there's other players in the same map who want to do exactly the same thing. So you end up essentially fighting these other players so you can stay alive, get the loot from them or around the map, and then go to extract at uh, various locations around the map. Most of the time, it's on the other side, so it forces you to travel and traverse the map uh, to get there. Uh, alongside this, there's a bunch of quests that you can do, uh, finding various special items in rooms that you need keys for that you can find in various other places in the map, as well as dealing with a bunch of AI scavengers, or they're known as scavs. Essentially, they're similar to the players that you come around with, but they're AI and they're less looted, they're less 
stacked with weapons, I guess you could say. Uh, so yeah, the, the goal of this game is is genuinely just to continue pulling off successful raids that earn you equipment that you can find and money uh, to to essentially upgrade your your future gear that you go out into these raids with, uh, as well as a, a hideout, which is your sort of base, which gives you various stats like increased uh, water and hunger regeneration, for example, and, and and healing and better access to upgrading equipment. So yeah, that's the basic rundown of the game. It's it's very much more detailed than that, but that's the best way I can explain it. Uh, and it's addicting as hell because it's it's sort of a weird mix between like a first person shooter and almost like it's got RPG elements to it and 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 roguelike elements to it as well because you can go into a raid with very high quality gear that costs a lot of money and there's no reason why a, a, a PMC they're called it's a player goes and shoots you once in the head with a pistol that they found off the ground and takes your your loot that you've been saving up for days for so it's very you know it's very risk uh, versus reward but the exhilaration and the nerves you get from it there's nothing like it in my opinion because you're genuinely staking hours worth of gaming every time you go into a raid so it almost forces you to act like you're a proper tactical soldier i guess you could say and you don't you know, the risk of dying is so high that you've genuinely got to pull off all these sort of maneuvers and, you know, clearing rooms with grenades and, and listening out and using headphones uh, to, to to keep you alive, basically. And if you don't, you, you, you get killed and someone else will take your, your loot and be done with it and they'll be off extract and you'll never see it again. So, like I said, addicting as hell. It also can be really frustrating because, you know, you die a lot. And this is just a game, you know, my, my friends, when, when I first started playing, I, I gathered a bunch of loot and then I went out with all this equipment and, and died straight away. And they said to me, well, you know, it's not necessarily your loot. It's just your turn with it, which is a great way of explaining what the game is like. You know, you go out, kill someone, you can steal a bunch of weapons and, and armor and, and everything else. But, you know, there's nothing stopping you from taking that again. And, and losing it so that's just the excitement of it and i think it's amazing definitely worth playing uh so yeah i'd, I'd probably say maybe an eight out of ten i don't think it's a 10 out of 10 just because there's a few things that are kind of annoying i don't think the graphics are necessarily the best but then again it's a really small game for a first person shooter with so many maps and guns and items comes in at around 12 gigabytes which is really small in comparison to what your battlefields and your call of duties so what you're getting for your download is is fantastic so many maps so many weapons so many everything really uh so yeah eight out of ten I think that's a justified decision, really. I think it's a great game, and I'm so addicted to it right now. And I can see myself playing this game for months and months and months. Sounds really good, to be honest. I'm actually quite intrigued. And it really fact, is good. It really yeah, is, honestly. I, I think the fact as well, that element of being able to jump into it, whatever your skill level is, and still almost frustrate people that have been playing it for so long, like that is a really big plus point for it. Well, that, that's the thing. You you don't have it's, there's no matchmaking servers, so you don't go on against people similar to your skill level. And I know that's Thank annoying God. to begin with. Yeah, <laughs> I know you're a big uh, a big fan of the no uh, matchmaking essence to mm-hmm. essence to video games. Uh, but yeah, I mean, at, to begin with, obviously you're you're given a, a bunch of guns and equipment, but you lose them pretty quickly being being new to the game. So yeah, originally I. 
jumped in and, and got my ass whooped multiple times and lost a bunch of gear. But then again, I went in with a, a pistol and shot a level 50, which is pretty much the highest level in a game, uh, in the back of a head with a gun and, and got off with, you know, hundreds of thousands of game money worth of equipment. And and there I was set for set for weeks. So, you know, it's swings and roundabouts, really. And that's what's so exciting because you can go in and just claim so much loot if you're skilled enough. You know, if you're good enough, you can run with no armor, no headgear, with a, a pistol and out outgun someone who's, you know, fully kitted to the max. You know, it's all, it's all skill dependent. And that's that's one of the, the pros about it, really. So, yeah. Sounds really good. It's it's honestly wicked. Right. Moving on. Billy, your game of the week time. Is it the same as usual, first and foremost? Is it a game we've never heard of before? I'll be disappointed if it isn't. Well, I don't know if either of you have heard of it, but I know it's a little more popular than my usual choices. Brilliant. Uh, so my choice this week is Mountain Blade Warband. Oh, I have heard yeah. of it. Yeah. I'm, I'm sort of disappointed, but also happy that you've mentioned the game that I'm interested in. <laughs> So Mountain Blade Warband is a game where you are basically a mercenary. You you run around with a sword and some money and you try and conquer the entire world effectively. It's kind of awesome. Um, I have to say I'm not particularly good at it. Uh, although I, I, I definitely have noticed like how... Sorry. I've, I've definitely noticed how easy it is to sort of get into the game and get better at it as you play more. Because when I first started playing, I, I lost like every fight I ever got into in this game. Uh, but now, now I now to play. I'm understanding how to use the mechanics and how to fight better, and it's become a lot easier to maintain myself and like my, my soldiers. Because um, you you get to start like your own little mercenary company, and have soldiers follow you around and do stuff. It's it's really interesting. It's it's oddly logistical. Like there, there's a lot of stuff. It's like you need the money to pay all your soldiers, and if you have more soldiers in your army, you you know you're better at fighting, but your army moves slower and it consumes more food and stuff. And it's really interesting how it, how that all works. Uh, and as I say, the ultimate goal is become, you know, nobility and then rule over the world because there's like a bunch of different fighting factions uh, and you can become one of them or eventually you can you can strike out on your own and, and go for the kingship, uh, making your own faction. Um, I say, I'm not great at the game because it is interestingly difficult. I am not a brilliant tactician or anything. I'm, I'm much better at the, the just stabbing people on my own. Um, and I don't get how, how lances work in the game, so I just use swords and bows. Um, but it, it's good. It's a solid game. It's got a really nice fighting system because you can, you know, you can choose which way to direct your strikes. A bit like in, I think, chivalry and stuff has a similar system. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, which, which I really like. And I do also like how the sort of recruitment system works because you can recruit just like basic soldiers from any of the five kingdoms from uh, like a relevant village of that that kingdom and then as they fight more you can level them up for cash so you can give them better equipment and stuff uh, and then eventually you can run around with a pack of knights which is always great fun because no one really knows how to deal with i've got 20 knights in full armor i'm just going to charge you um, is there is there actually a, a way to almost cheese the game have you found out or seen any sort of videos online of, of ways that you know you can ramp up your power very quickly or is there or is that very limited in the sense that you have to follow a linear path to becoming so i i don't really know i've not looked into it for this game i know in the sequel there is and i'm pretty sure in this one you can do the same thing which is where you get into a bunch of battles if you have enough archers you do a bunch of damage and then you retreat before the enemy reach you because your your soldiers get uh, experience based on killing people obviously like that that's just how the game works 
but you can re you can usually retreat from battle, and if you retreat, you kind of like people like like you less, like they respect you less because you've retreated from battle. Yeah. You you fled like a coward, uh, but you can level up your soldiers that way, if I remember correctly. Um, but the the other way, of course, is to use console commands, which is just, just straight up cheating. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that's that's always fun in a game. It's like, oh, I'm not going to care about doing things properly this run. I'm just going to be invincible godman for once. If you want to, like, you know, it's, it's single player, isn't it? So you can do what you want. Well, there, there is a multi there is like apparently a multiplayer. But I've never I've never touched the multiplayer because it's not something I'm interested in. I I'm not a huge multiplayer fan, as I think we've discussed here. Before. Yeah, of course. Uh, and especially for a game like this, which is so focused on, like tactics i'm not sure how how it would interact with multiplex as i say I've not, I've not even opened the multiplayer not sure. once um but yeah it, it's a pretty solid game there is a sequel which i've not touched either and there's some dlc which i kind of want to pick up at some point including dlc that gives everyone guns which sounds really interesting taking it to the modern well i say modern age not necessarily well, the modern age but not, not quite not yet close it's not quite modern. it's uh napoleonic so yes. you know muskets and, and rifle lines and stuff yeah uh, but it, it, it's a good solid game i think i'm going to give it an eight my ranking for this one solid nice. round this week then boys again i think i think there has to be a week where we pick really trash games i don't know whether we should do it next week but i feel like that would be an amazing idea we just have to find a crap game we've played and discuss it it could be a crap game we've played ages ago but we just have to do it one week because we need we need something to fill up the the ones <laughs> out of tens and the twos out of tens yeah. otherwise our leaderboard's gonna be what all eights and all nines <laughs> and all, sevens all, all high weighted uh, I, I think we're going to talk about some terrible games today, aren't we? Yes, oh, we, are. we are. That's a perfect uh, transition into our discussion this week, which is essentially what makes a good game to film crossover and what makes a really bad game to film crossover. Isn't that right, boys? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I think I'm going to leave it up to either of you two to start off with because I've got an ultimatum uh, with my one. So Billy... I'd love it if you started, and Gabriel, if you go next as well. Absolutely. Uh, so because I like nice things, I'm going to talk about the game I actually like first. Brilliant. Uh, and I'm going to talk about the incompar in incomparable? That's the word, incomparable. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> Managed to pronounce <laughs> things wrong. Yeah. Uh, GoldenEye 007. Um, now, almost anyone is going to have heard of this. It's probably one of the most famous first-person shooters in the world. I have to admit, I, I originally played the remake because there was a 2010 remake on the Wii. That's that's the first version of this I ever played. I too um, have played that. I remember distinctly going to my no friend's way. house when I just joined secondary school. He invites me around, gets his Wii out, bangs on Goldeneye, and yeah, and he Brilliant. was just a pro at it and absolutely, you know, sorted me right out. <laughs> but yeah, it was it's a really good game. It it is one of the most beautiful games that i've ever played it, it's it's not actually like a perfectly made game because people notice a lot of things like the controls are really slidey and um, there are definitely glitches because like, if i remember correctly uh if you play as odd job most of the character are like and people aren't allowed guns most of the characters just can't hit you like if because there's a mode where you can only use melee attacks and most of the characters just can't hit you because odd job is actually really small because the developers mixed him up with knickknack from one of the other james bond films uh, which I always find hilarious. Interesting. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, it was a big thing because uh, uh, you could trick people into doing it, especially if you trick them into playing. I think it's Jaws because Jaws is like six foot tall and he's taller than every other character. Um, but yeah, it, it's 
it's one of the best games ever made. Like it, it's well known for being perhaps like the defining FPS. Uh, I think it might even be like the first proper FPS game. One of yeah. especially because well, was other than maybe Doom. I want to say I um, it, it might even be before. You know, it, like before, like just after came out in 1997. Yeah, it's uh, really early on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to go look this up now. Whether Doom came out first, um, I think Doom. Like, I think Doom was an original, like a proper first, per, like one of the first ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but like one one of the reasons I have to say that Goldeneye is so good is because there is obviously single player mode. It's it's most famous for the multiplayer, but there is a single player mode, and it follows like the plot of the movie oddly closely because like v- video game films and films that are made into video games, they rarely have anything to do with each other because like mediums don't cross like that. But Goldeneye does follow the plot of the film quite closely, which I found really unusual. You really want to do something, you know, you you want to have a film about a game that's not necessarily to do with something the gamers have already done, if that makes sense. So for like a, a first like for a for a first person shooter like Goldeneye, you'd think that the film wouldn't necessarily follow the campaign. It's almost like having a Call of Duty game at uh, film even that follows one of the campaigns that's already been done, you'd almost want it to be a completely unique film in that sort of sense. But it's also nice that it's followed it as well. So there's sort of a, a good thing about those sort of games to films as well, yeah. isn't there? It, it, this, this was released in, i say, 1997. I had to go look it up, and Doom was actually released in 1993. So it's not that long after. Not, oh, yeah, um, not a couple of couple years. Yeah. Uh, and, like, it, but it's it's supposed to be a tie-in. Like, that, that's the point. If There's no... There is... The only reason I think you should make a, a tie-in game specifically that is that is following a different plot is if it's following like the same events but from like a different perspective. If it's like filling in gaps and stuff, which is a thing that's happened before, um, that usually happens more in novelizations. But it, it has been done in videos before, and I think that's the only really good reason for uh, changing the plot like that. If you're doing a specifically like a tie-in game, not just a game set in the same like, universe, if that makes sense. Yeah, of course, of course. All right, then so. Do you have a game that a game to film that you really dislike, Billy? I'm sure you do. Yes. Yeah. I, I actually I have another film to game actually, sort of. Film um, to game. All right. Yeah. So way back in the early 2000s, I owned uh, a really really terrible set of games on a Star Wars plug plug and play device. So for those who don't know what a plug and play device is, because Nobody plays them anymore. They're, they've gone well out of fashion. They were like an early 2000s fad. Yeah. Um, they're literally a little like handheld controller that you could plug into your TV. And I had a really old TV at the time. It was like, it, like we're talking, you know, the proper boxy TVs, not the like flat screens we have these days. Um, and it had games on it. And this particular one is called Plug It In and Play Star Wars 3, sorry, Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. Um, it was made by like people called Jack's TV Games, and it was really cool at the time because they were all shaped like the characters because they had they had four they had four different shapes of this. So I had a Darth Vader one, which is the most common apparently, uh, and then there were Yoda ones, R two D two ones, and I think General Grievous ones because General Grievous is the shiny new character they revealed in uh, Episode three, if you remember, uh, many years ago. Many God, many. this makes me feel so old, <laughs> and I'm Let's not. I, I know I'm not. Uh, <laughs> But there were five games on this thing, um, and none of them were good. They were all just terrible. <laughs> no, no. no. Yeah. But they, they, they vaguely followed the plot of like the film, 
and you can sort of like go, oh, it's this, this, and this. So the first game is like a, do you know like this brick break? Like it, it's sort of like um, oh, what's this one? Space Invader. Yes. It's sort of like Space Invader, but the aliens are battle droids, and instead of shooting up, you're playing as Obi Wan, so you can only deflect their blaster bolts back up with your lightsaber. Um, and I was terrible at it because I was terrible at all of these games because I was like five. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the second one is Coruscant Attack, which is based off like the, the scene in, uh, start in the opening of, of episode three, where you fly through, where like the Jedi flying and they're fighting the Battle of Coruscant in the spaceships. So that one was okay. It was like a, like a Gallagher type thing. You know, you fly around and shoot enemy ships. Um, and I recall it really vividly because there was this giant creepy alien ship that turned up at the end that looked like nothing I'd ever seen in Star Wars at the time. Although that might have been just because the graphics were bad. <laughs> uh, and it played, well, I remember it very distinctly because it, it played the, you know, the Imperial Klaxon sound when it turned up, you know, the like that, that very deep bass alarm sound. Um, and then the other three were, there was Grievous Onslaught, which is the first one you played as Anakin in. And you ran around a, like, it was like a Legend of Zelda type thing, sort of. Like, you ran between rooms and you tried to rescue the Chancellor and kill droids. I think every time you got near the Chancellor, you just got whipped away. Because I don't, I don't think there was actually, like, a resolution to the game. It was just endless until you died. Uh, then there was Gunship Battle, which actually kind of felt like it was based off Episode 2 more. Because you, you, like, flew a gunship from one side, like, one of those, like, I don't know how to describe it. But you know what I'm talking about, like where you have a ship, like a side-scrolling ship game. Yeah, I was going to say, do you mean those like almost the clone army ships, the ones that Yoda's kind of gets dropped off in? Those yeah, ones, yeah, I those, know the those ones. ones. Yeah. Um, they're like LAATs, I think they're called. I don't actually remember. Uh, but, but like, they, so you side-scroll from one side to the other and you have to pick up these clones and then land your, your ship at the base and you have to like, do like bombing runs and stuff. I don't remember that one very well because it was always my least favorite because I was really, really bad at that one. Uh, and then the last one was Utapau Chase, which was literally, you played on Obi-Wan on that weird lizard thing from the end of the movie. Oh, yeah. And you literally just like, ran across the street and tried to like dodge jobs. It was basically like Temple Runner, but you were chasing Gemple Grievous and people were shooting at you. <laughs> and they were just all off. There was no resolution to any of them. And they were like, there's no, no real story. There was nothing... Like, they were fine for, like, a five-year-old kid. I had fun because I was young and didn't realise what games really were. But, like, it just wasn't a very good set of games. I think that's uh, similar to most uh, plug-and-plays back in the day, is they had these sort of games that were just very arcade-like, that had no real point-to-point game. It was just, you know, you plug in, you start from the beginning, and you play through until you die. Or you maybe, you know, you maybe get through to a different stage, which is exactly the same thing, but harder. I think those were very common with those plug and play kits because I had, I had one very similar, which was just had, you know, the the classic games on it. Um, but yeah, they they that's the usual case for those types of plug and play devices. Yeah, the plug and play is bad. It's basically what we've come to the conclusion of here. I think. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, they they okay. serve their purpose. Yeah. Outdated is yes. the word I would say. True. Yeah, I I think the best use of them was that they were much cheaper than an actual console and they still entertained your kid for a few hours exactly i, I sure was it sure was playing mine a lot of the time and my parents can attest to this uh but yeah definitely but right then gabriel 
Yeah, well, quite a nice follow-up because the game that I'm going to say I liked that has been influenced by a movie is actually influenced by exactly the same movie as the game that you didn't like, which is a bit of a bit of a swing, but you know, it's it's nice. And my favorite game that's been influenced by a movie has got to be Lego Star Wars. And I've mentioned the game on the show before, but quite simply, they nailed it, in my opinion. They've taken the best part of Lego and the best part of Star Wars and put them into a game. So my question here, which Lego Star Wars? Because I know there's like four or five at this point. Very good point. And that's actually a good thing you, you reminded <laughs> me to specify, actually, because otherwise I am referring to Lego Star Wars, the complete saga, which for those that don't know tracks the whole, it, essentially you have, f- I think it's six missions per episode of Star Wars. So and I'm talking about when Star Wars was at the stage of the prequels and the original three. So there are only six films at this time. And each film gets six distinct missions for it. And that mission gives you enough reference to the actual events of the film, but equally doesn't actually do the A to B of what happened in those episodes. So, for example, you have a talking about that same mission you uh, were making reference to where the start of Revenge of the Sith, where Anakin and Obi-Wan are flying over Coruscant and going to attack General Grievous. They do that. They have like a sequence that makes reference to that, but it's not carbon copy. You don't, for example, you don't encounter the same missile evasion that they have to go through. You don't do the same things, but there's other things that they try and include. I just want to say that I've spent so many hours in that game. This is this was my f- favorite as a kid, just playing this on a GameCube, honestly. And it just feels so ahead of its time as well. I, it felt to me like it was just a game that was so much better than anything else that was out at the time. I don't know wh- whether that was just because I was obsessed with Star Wars and Lego at the time, but even even now, if I were to play it again and pick it up, I still genuinely would think it's a a brilliant, well-fleshed-out game that could serve its purpose and I could play for hours. Yeah, I I remember playing I think I've still got it somewhere for my DS. I've got to say, one of the things I remember is that there was this, again, chasey General Grievous game, but, like, you were General Grievous, you had to move around, like, uh, like these rings. Um, And I remember this because at the end, there was this purple Lego stud and I used to stack, because you can get multipliers in all the LEGO games that like increase your number of studs. And I used to stack the multipliers sky high and get just like, go, I'm going to get the first purple thing <laughs> I see and then die because I don't care anymore because I'm rich. That's exactly it. You can almost farm off the missions. And that's what's another great thing about the game. You're never stuck. You can ne- you're never at a point where you're like, oh, I desperately need money. And for those that don't know, a stud is essentially money in LEGO games. Yes. So yeah. they're you know what a stud is it's a single block piece that you can you know use to decorate but they use that as their currency because obviously it looks quite like money conveniently and yeah you can essentially if you ever get stuck or need to farm money go back to the missions you like and just absolutely replay. spam it yeah the just replayability is, is is ridiculous isn't it 
unbelievable and the, the another brilliant thing about the game is no matter how much you think you've done all the missions and got everything from them there's always something that you can find new to unlock be it collecting all the red bricks collecting all the mini kits which can be used to unlock new little ships that you can then use you know characters even that you might that might you might have to discover by going in a random room that's hidden around a corner that you'd never even noticed before little things like that really make the game what it is 100%. I have, yeah i have to take uh, the other thing i really like is i'm not sure if this was in all of them because again i played on the ds not like i think you said the gamecube you played on yeah um so there were a bunch of like mini games and stuff as well that weren't like in levels they were just in this other room you could go get them and play have fun with them 100%. and of course you can make it you can make your own characters. I'd forgotten that. Yeah. You can make your own characters and like give them like all the cool dark side powers and stuff. Honestly, you could give and equally they they almost take it. They get stupid with it, but in a good way. Like you can have General Grievous's body on a stormtrooper's legs and then put a uh, put Obi-Wan's face on the same guy. Like it's just it's, it's just so fun. Like it's obviously I I do think it was geared at a younger audience, but at the same time it it's not in a cringy way. It's in a way that even someone my age now can look at and go, it's actually just such good fun. It's so cool, isn't it? It's just so, it's still so cool. Like, almost talking about it now makes me want to play it again. It's just goes to show what a great game it actually was. Just, I still, yeah, I still remember, I just, one of the things that Lego games are famous for is they're human. I still remember those cutscenes because there's this one from like right at the beginning where oh, they've just gotten out of the water and everyone like, Qui-Gon's killing all the droids and everyone's trying to get a lightsaber to work because it's got stuck in the water. Yeah, they they, they smash those little cutscenes too. Especially they, they integrate in almost like a breaking the fourth wall uh, with yes. the Lego humour as well, isn't it, as well? Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. And yeah, I mean, I could talk about the little things in that game for ages, even the side missions while we're talking about it, you could do all the bounty hunter missions. So you could go into this separate area, uh, sorry, separate area of the canteen in, in the desert and you could go into Jabba the Hutt's little, little grotto and he would give you contracts to go and go back on the main story missions, find a, the bounty who you're supposed to kill and go back and you submit it for loads of money, etc., which you can then use to upgrade. And yeah, I mean, it's, it, I actually just Endless. find myself, it's, I just get so excited talking <laughs> about it. Genuinely, I, I, I genuinely think it's one of my favorite games of all time. So not only is it one of my favorite movie influence games, it's one of my favorite games of all times. And Star Wars obviously is one of my favorite movies of all time, movie franchises. So what a game, what a game. A perfect one. Yeah, I genuinely would say I, I, I can't fault it. And that's no. coming from someone who absolutely loves Star Wars, absolutely loves Lego and absolutely loves gaming. So for me to say that- What could much, go wrong? What, what could, could go, go wrong? wrong? You know what I mean? So right, what? much you might want to, sorry, on, much, much you might want to play it after this you can't make it game of the week next week we have to have bad games at some point no exactly very good point and yeah i i would i would love to talk about it for game of the week but i just feel like lego star wars is one of those games that's going to prop up on our show so much oh, it because has to. It, it fits so many good bills you know what i mean like it's so good so we have to talk about a bad game now Right. So, yes. And I was a bit stuck to pick this and I didn't realise, and Billy, it was actually you that pointed out to me, that the Hitman games came out before the 2007 film. I was none the wiser. I thought that 
the film came first and the games were the follow on. But actually, I was incorrect about that. So just making it clear, this is this is I'm talking about Hitman Absolution as my game that I didn't like. And that was the first game released after the film. And that that explains probably why I got a bit confused. Now, firstly, Hitman film, amazing film, cannot fault the film. I think it's one of the best Hitman vibe films I've watched. I think it's really obviously I feel like it it has its critics. But for me, I can't really fault it. Um, Yeah, the, the reason why I didn't like the game is because I feel a lot of these Hitman games fall into the same category as all the other ones where it's very stealth based and it's all about making a discreet kill, hiding the body and then progressing with the mission, if you know what I mean. And the problem Hitman Absolution faces is although you have variety in the maps and the missions and the story, the actual actions that you do within the game are genuinely the same again and again and again it will always be find some bloke in a shady corner kill him hide his body move on to the next bit and it is genuinely the same again and again and again and that's why despite it being quite an accurate representation of the movies despite it being gen like the functionality of the game works fine graphics great etc i just found it really monotonous and boring quite frankly like damn yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, I yeah. can see why. I can see why you, you explained it. So essentially, thinking about it, you are genuinely just doing the same thing, but in a different location, maybe with a different set of obstacles in your way, I guess you could say. But really, the goal is to what, assassinate someone or multiple people and get away cleanly. Exactly, and yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's the same every mission. Basically, is 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 the main problem with the game. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting because Hitman Absolution is also the last game before the reboot in 2016. So, uh, the because there's been three Hitman games since then, one, two, and three, but they're very much a reboot, and they sort of take the series back to its origins and show you 47 as like a, a young assassin. I should talk about the first one. So I've actually got that. It's been quite fun so far. No, yeah, I, I would love to know about all the other games because I feel like I'm giving I feel like I'm giving the franchise bad rep here unnecessarily because that is one instance. And like I say, the fact that I didn't even know they've released three games since it shows that there's got to be a market out there for it and that there's potential. I mean, at the end of the day, this is your personal, of you know, your personal idea and your perception of these games. So it, it, some people may love them still, but it's just you know you found them. A, boring repetitive and i guess even the the biggest fans of hitman could probably say the same and, and agree with you there so mm. brilliant all right then i guess i should move on with uh with mine then so i i'm gonna say this now i genuinely for the life of me could not think of a game to film or a film to game that i really really disliked and i'm sure if i were to look up like, a list of them online for example i'd find plenty uh, but I, I, there's definitely a series, a game to series that I love. And this is what I'm going to talk about now because I think it's very relevant. And that's Arcane. So this is a, a new series that's just come out on Netflix, very relevant to this topic. And it's all about League of Legends. So it, it, League of Legends, if you don't know, a massive, massive game, probably one of the hot, the biggest games of all time, let's be fair. I play it all the time. If you, if you don't know what League of Legends is, I'm surprised, but go look it up because it's very complex and hard to explain briefly. 
but essentially Arcane is uh, a Netflix series covering a very small part of the League of Legends lore. Now, League of Legends lore is essentially the stories behind the God, what, probably hundreds of, of champions on this game. And Arcane does this perfectly, considering how detailed the lore is and how vastly different various storylines are. Storylines are, sorry. Um, but yeah, the, the art style in Arcane is amazing. Something I really want to bring up. They the way it's animated is incredible. Uh, there's they, there's multiple different art styles used throughout the film, be it very almost painted like scenes and, and other ones. You've just got to watch it. You'll see exactly what I mean. I was just going to ask, is it fitting with the the game League of Legends, the aesthetic of the series, or do they take a different stance? So it's hard it's hard to explain. It doesn't follow the the there is no story of the game of League of Legends. There is no story that you follow. It's just a essentially just a multiplayer game. The the arcane follows a small segment of a lore of a few characters. So in League of Legends, there's a world which is part of the the lore behind the game, and it it situates you in a essentially two towns or a or one big city, depending on how you view it, and it's. It's a collaboration of all these various champions who supposedly lived there and how they became their champion they are in a game. So obviously it's it's a very detailed story that's very hard to explain without spoilers. And I won't make any spoilers, but it's it's just serves such a a beautiful thing. It's really hard to to get across how brilliant this series is at taking a game that doesn't have a campaign but it just amplifies the brilliant lore that's been made behind it and has turned it into this amazing, amazing nine-part series. Yeah, nine-part series. And from what I can tell from my friends who are also into League of Legends as well as me, uh, we, all, we all absolutely love it. The fight scenes in it were amazing. You see the evolution of champions that have existed for over 10 years and you see their backstory, you see their personality and it's just amazing. Honestly, I can't explain it. I don't think there's any, there's been any other game to series like it out there that has really hit it like Arcane has. And it just goes to show you it is, you know, it's top 10 on the Netflix charts at the moment for, for series and deservedly so. It has more watches than Squid Game for a bit when it came out, which is very wow. interesting. Yeah. Um, and it's just honestly a must watch, even if you're not necessarily into... League of Legends, it does help that you play the game or at least know the characters, but I do think it's still watchable, even if you don't know the game. And on that, would you say you could almost do it the other way around? So if you watch the series, it could almost help you get into the game? I I, I genuinely do think so. It's it Obviously, I think the better way around is to play the game and then watch it, because for me, what I what I got out of it was almost like a service for watch or for playing the game you know i got gifted this art piece i want to call it this masterpiece of of a series about a game that i absolutely love but by all means you can watch this and be and chuck yourself into the 
League of Legends arcane universe even if you haven't played the game and honestly I genuinely think it will make you want to pick it up and I know for a fact there's been people on various subreddits saying you know I've watched arcane I think it's amazing the characters are so cool how do I get into League of Legends can I start playing it should I start playing it is it a good game and and I genuinely think it's brilliant and arcane has smashed it the the animation company and the directors have really really gone to town with it um, so yeah, that's that's the one I really wanted to shout out because I think it's very relevant considering it released a couple of weeks ago. And for, like I said before, for the games that games of film or film to game that I didn't like, I've really really struggled. So I've essentially just put together a few honorary mentions of game to films or film to games. The first one being Tron, especially the original. Now I know my my dad's a big fan of Tron. I'm not sure whether you guys have watched the film or played the game. I haven't either. You haven't, Billy? I haven't. Uh, the only thing I have played is because there are about a million of them. It's one of those like snake like Tron light cycle games that are out on the internet. Yes, I know the ones. Yes. Yeah. So Tron was originally a game. Uh, I think it was 1982. It was first made. If I'm correct, I could be wrong, but there was two two films made after the game's release. And I think there's been uh, future Tron games out there too. And it's almost like a sort of a mismatch of Snake, really. I think Snake's the most similar, you know, the, the Nokia game or, or whatever you want to call it. Essentially where you've got your uh, a bike going around this 2D map, leaving a trail behind you. And there's other bikers on the same map and if they knock into your trail they die or if you knock into their trail you die essentially and you've got to navigate your way around their traps that they're laying for you with their trail essentially uh, and yeah the film is adapted very very well the original i'd say is better than the, the newer one but i think they're both very decent uh secondly i want to give a shout out to warcraft Obviously, being a, a film made from World of Warcraft series, similar to Arcane, it takes a part of the the lore of the game and turns it into a film and just massively expands that and gives you sort of like a big dive into, into the world of World of Warcraft. And I think it does that very, very well. Although there is some critics to it, diehard World of Warcraft players will, a few of them will say, you know, it wasn't the best and there was various, you know, misconceptions and, and and stuff like that but nonetheless it's still a still a good game to film uh, and finally ready player one i just feel like we had to talk about this i know it's not about a specific game but it's one of the biggest gaming related films that has been out for well forever really it encompasses so many different Easter eggs of different games. I know there's one for Overwatch, which I loved. You could see Tracer running in the battle. But, you know, I could go on for hours and list the amount of games that are featured in that film. And and the film itself is fantastic. I mean, my mum loves the film. She has no clue what, what games or what the game characters are in there, but it's still an amazing watch. And I think that just deserves to be given a shout out. So, yeah, they're, they're my three honorary mentions. Uh, and and I think all three of them are worth watching as well as Arcane, but especially Arcane because I think it's fantastic. And Gabriel, you should get you should definitely get into it and start playing League of Legends with me because that would be brilliant. I'd love to, to be fair. Just need to sort out a PC that can handle <laughs> yeah. it. That's all. Actually, to be fair, I reckon you could run League of Legends off a really terrible PC. That's really? as long as you've got a mouse. I think you definitely need a mouse. You couldn't play it on the uh, whatever you call it. Um, Roller. 
Yes. Yeah. Well, obviously a controller, but the uh, mouse pad or whatever you, whatever you, whatever you call it. But it's honestly, you can run it off a laptop pretty easily. Might make it, might make it uh, your laptop get a bit hot. But other than that, it's it's definitely runnable and playable. So try it. Maybe maybe watch a few first episodes, see if you're interested in it, and 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 download League of Legends. I know there'd be a lot of people out there that listen to this like don't download League of Legends. It is a it's a terrible, you know, well to fall down, but. I love it and Arcane's amazing and that's all I really have to say. No, I might have to, mate. Brilliant. Okay, well, that about wraps it up for our discussion on film to games or games to films and we are going to continue with our final part of the show which is our weekly news roundup. You've levelled up. So, boys... Weekly news roundup, the final part of the show. Billy, do you want to go first and tell me what's been going on? I very much do. So in a very relevant piece of uh, news that I found out today, uh, I'm assuming you've both heard of Hideo Kojima. Like, he's a brilliant game star. Oh, yeah, 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 sure. Um, yeah, uh, very, very famous for especially the Metal Gear series. Yeah. Uh, he's making a movie studio. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah, he- so he, he has his own he has his own like games production studio called Kojima Studios uh, or sorry Kojima Productions, but yeah they've established a new uh, business division, and they're they're in you know set up in Los Angeles and they're going to make music and TV and film, and there's talk about uh, making like some of his games like the Metal Solid and stuff into films, which is really cool. It's it's nice to see that the actual game designers and developers are making the films themselves. I think that's, they're not, you know, giving it to necessarily third parties to, to destroy. And I generally think that because of that, these films that are going to come out are going to be much better for it. I reckon. hundred percent agree. And I think this is part of the reason why people like him are making their own companies because they know how much, how important it is to take ownership and ensure that, third parties don't ruin it you know yeah 100 percent. i'm mostly just excited because all of the names in metal gear solid are incredibly stupid and i want like big name stars to have to play them and say those names with a straight face because it was very funny <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, so first bit of news from me this week is ex bungie composer marty o'donnell has come out and said that anyone with access to his music work on destiny should destroy it and refrain from distributing it This comes after O'Donnell was forced by a court order to get rid of his assets he didn't have permission to distribute. Bungie, of course, famous for developing Halo and Destiny. Halo being probably the most successful gaming franchise ever, one one of even, sorry. And Destiny 2, very successful. In fact, not sure if I'm correct on this. I believe that halo was developed before the xbox console or something like that in the sense of like the whole development of xbox initially when it first came out was almost geared for halo so the company marty o'donnell used to compose for massive player in the gaming space in 2014 he was actually fired and ordered to return his assets relating to his work on Destiny, including Music of the Spheres, the musical prequel, which he actually created with Paul McCartney, which I had no clue having played Destiny. I know, yeah. right? Paul McCartney has been working on these games behind the scenes and ex-Beatles. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. 
the reason I wanted to talk about it is just because I really think it sheds light on how much power these big companies have over the people they employ, you know, and the guy has worked tirelessly on creating this music, which he can effectively no longer actually claim ownership for uh, legally. That's interesting that. Honestly. I'm surely there was forms signed to at the beginning of the production that you know hands all all control over to the big game developers i guess yeah backed up against a big wall with a big contract in front of your face probably most likely most likely <laughs> intellectual property like this is, is always really weird to talk about because like yeah obviously you want the, the original guy to make it but at the same time like bungie presumably went right here is some money to make this for us it's not like they went they went and like purchased the rights to use this music so it is it's always a bit of a weird position when you get this sort of like contractual dispute it is it is and equally just putting yourself in his shoes you know you've worked tirelessly on all all of this music and then all of a sudden it's thrown up in your face and you can't even share it with your followers and claim ownership over it it's it'd be horrible how weird is that that's very strange so weird In other news, Battlefield 2041 has been being criticised by fans on Steam a lot recently. Most of this criticism has been sparked by bugs, but more significantly is people not enjoying the new class specialist system. Critics argue DICE is stripped too much away from traditional Battlefield. Players are perceiving the lack of a traditional scoreboard or aim bloom on assault rifles as significant missing features from the game. Just more on the specialist side of things this is battlefield 2042's new character roster that replaces the traditional class structure seen in every battlefield before during battlefield 2042's open beta longtime battlefield fans argued that specialists discourage team play by letting anyone fill any role they want but dice later affirmed that they're here to stay and people are still making these concerns apparent post-release so there's definitely been no response. Well, there has been, and they've made it quite clear they're not going to be changing it, despite everyone quite clearly wanting that change. So it's a bit of a weird one, really. So you're saying everyone's true, but I know you're quite a battlefield player yourself, if I remember correctly. So I'm Correct. curious what you think of this. Like, is this a good thing, bad thing? It's a hard one because... I do actually like the class system in this year's game, personally, but I got into the franchise quite late. I would say my first game that I played a lot was Battlefield 4, whereas I feel like a lot of these Steam reviewers are the people that have been playing it ever since the bad company days, the OGs, you know. So from that point of view, my opinion is quite clear. I actually like the specialist system, and it is a matter of preference. I, I... a good comparison I would find is in the Call of Duty franchise when they introduced specialists in Black Ops 3. I absolutely love that, despite being an absolute veteran of the series. You know, I, I've played almost all of the Call of Duties, but I like the specialist edition in that. Whereas in Battlefield, it seems like there's another, there's a cat almost a, it's, it's completely opposite, basically, which yeah. is, which is strange to see. I think there's a way of, integrating these specialists into games and i think maybe this battlefield hasn't nailed it on the head i think maybe there's a way that they could integrate it better but i i'm not too sure like i haven't played 
well, I, I haven't played this year's Battlefield other than the beta, uh, but I haven't been a massive fan of the previous few Battlefields in general, so I wouldn't really know what I'd think about this this sort of thing. No, yeah, that's com- that's completely fair enough. Yeah, I think maybe they could have introduced it like on a slow burn rather than gone all guns blazing Battlefield 2042 specialists you don't have a choice over this you know yeah, sure they have gone about it in a bit of an aggressive way so maybe that has something to do with it as well but yeah there we are fair enough I've, I've also heard that yeah the game itself is just getting tanked with bad reviews just because of various you know glitches and frame issues and 